Hello out there, world. Welcome to episode 15 of the Modern Educator Podcast. This is your host, Corey Brown, and I'm joined today by my good friend, James Kapersky. Whoop, whoop. Go ahead and introduce yourself to the world, James. Uh, hi, uh, my name's James. I have taught here in Las Vegas for the past 18 years. I'm originally from Lincoln, Nebraska. Did my education there and then moved out here at the age of 22 and haven't looked back since. All right, right on. And uh, what subject do you teach, James? I'm a music teacher. Uh, so I've taught uh, band, guitar, piano, music theory, um, a little bit of everything in the music sphere. So very wide ranges of experiences that I've had. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll just chime in here for how I know James. I think it was my first day at my new high school. James sought me out and said, hey, welcome to the school, new guy. Here's a t-shirt. You know, let me know if you want me to teach you guitar. And James is just aggressively friendly to me. And now he's the guy <laughs> I've spent most of pandemic with talking about educational stuff and and I, I really appreciate his friendship. He's yeah, it's it's top been top tier dude. It's been a real treat having having you here, Corey, to like bounce ideas off of and make sure I'm on the right track as we get ready for um, teaching in the time of quarantine. Yes, yes, because online teaching begins tomorrow, and we'll we'll have a huge conversation about that. But first, let's let's get James's uh, ideas about education out here. So, James, what is your educational philosophy? I think it's really important that you give every kid the opportunity to succeed, um, whether they choose to take that opportunity or not. You ultimately need to put that in the hands of the student. Um, so you need to set up every situation to enable the kids to succeed. So for me, a lot of times I give kids options for how to accomplish um, different projects or playing tests. I'll modify the assessment to help them feel a sense of accomplishment and success. So I, that's for me, that's my like guiding star is making sure you enable the kids to succeed if they choose. Yeah. Yeah. You always got to give, you always got to challenge kids to where they are because I'm sure in your guitar classes, sometimes you have kids that already have some guitar experience. Oh yeah. I've got kids that come in with, a lot of experience and then kids that have never been in a music class before so it's that's the <laughs> annual challenge is meeting them all where they are and helping them all advance regardless of where they came in at yeah, and, and isn't that educational term called scaffolding right when you yeah I, I think that's the term they use I know see here, here I have tried to dissect all these <laughs> educational terms that we hear all the time but but yeah, I, I think scaffolding is an excellent philosophy as well. Uh, what are some of your greatest successes in the classroom? Um, for me, one that sticks out is just a few years ago, I had a student who hadn't necessarily selected to be in my guitar class that um, was kind of resistant to putting in effort. And I just worked at getting him convinced that it actually mattered, that his education mattered. Whether whether he wanted to be there or not, like, let's make the best of the time that we have together. And he eventually started caring and began to test off all the assessments and got an A. 
And it was such a turnaround in his effort level and attitude, too. He just became a much friendlier, happier student by just trying. And it, it he finally kind of, like, drank the Kool-Aid and joined the rest of the class. And he passed and did really well. And I was very, very proud of him and proud of myself for not giving up. Yeah. And, and I've always had this philosophy that every single day... I will interact with every single kid at the minimum of one time. And and as teachers, you know, when we have these big classes of kids, there are some kids that are just permanently zoned out, permanently on their phones, permanently disengaged. Every single day, I will attempt to re-engage that kid one time. Yeah, for me, that interaction really boils down to playing tests. Mm. And towards usually towards the back half of the year, I just call kids up one after the other, and just walk them through what they're not understanding and help them to build the skills on site at that time. So if if they're not as motivated to practice as an individual, I will practice right along with them and get them there. And so, yeah, I feel like the interaction piece is key, making sure that the kids know that you're not giving up on them yep. and that you're going to help them get to the finish line is very important. Yeah, but I'll, I'll be real, though. It is rare when a kid changes their attitude about your class. It has happened to me, too, and I think it's a great thing when it does happen, but it takes a whole lot of patience and commitment as the teacher because I, I, I've definitely been there where you feel that this kid, you, you'll never reach the kid, and it's kind of depressing, but you gotta you got to keep at it. I've had coworkers in the past espouse the belief that you can't motivate a person you can just give them like external (laughs) external pressures positive or negative to try and get them to change themselves and so it's that's always I don't know if I 100% believe in that but I definitely I definitely um, have adopted the the stance of applying positive pressure and very rarely do I try to ever go negative. Yeah, like me it just too. it's not it's it's not productive. Uh, multiple times students have told me, "Mr. Brown, you never yell at us." And they think it's like a bad thing. I'm right. like I'm like, "No." Um, yeah, and, and well, and and I had some big challenges last year where kids were were not following rules, and of course, part of me inside I wanted to yell at these kids, but I didn't. I continually tried to be positive towards them. Yeah, I've I've had coworkers that I've worked directly with at other schools when I taught band that definitely instilled the fear of God into students, <laughs> and I just could not teach like that. I I was sort of the emotional release for those kids because I was kind of calm and level-headed, mm-hmm. and students knew what to expect with me. I wasn't gonna fly off fly off the handle and like start screaming and yelling and i think um that approach the more level-headedness um it takes time i think it takes more time because it's not an immediate um, means to motivate a student or it's not it it allows you to develop rapport with kids where they will respect you as a human being they know that you respect them and their right to breathe the same oxygen as you um and so 
they can exist in your world. You can help guide them through theirs. And so uh, respect is really, really key um, for education to occur. Yep. Yeah, gotta love building rapport with kids. That's my that, that's a, my favorite thing at this job. Uh, okay, what are some of your greatest learning moments or failures in the classroom? Um, <laughs> a couple years back, I... I was sort of reassigned in what I was teaching. Um, I went from being a band director to being full-time guitar, which for me, I was very frustrated at not really being allowed to pursue the career path that I had trained for my whole like adult life up to that point. But in, in taking the challenge of being a full-time guitar instructor, I I was able to develop curriculum, multi-year curriculum from the ground up. Um, I've since branched off into also teaching piano now. Um, I'm super proud of having built a program from the ground up that started at like 115-ish kids to a program that has grown to basically like 450 students in three years time. And that makes me incredibly proud because the kids that I've been starting as beginners have continued on and the program has grown to the point where we've added a second teacher and we're one of the biggest programs in the country and one of the most successful. Um, Yeah, I'm just really, really proud of myself for building the foundation for that to occur. I'm really, incredibly proud of the students that have continued on and have been very very successful as musicians so that's that's probably what i'm most proud of well and and i'll, I'll just relate to that for a second because i it had every intention of being a high school history teacher slash speech and debate coach at a california high school and here i now am in nevada teaching ap geography Okay, and I, I gave up the speech and debate program even though I briefly had it. But it's it's interesting how the career I intended to go about in the world of education definitely did go in a different direction. Yeah, I, I can completely relate with you. And for me, like, my career path might not be what I had envisioned, but I'm such a stronger educator now after having gone through this and basically being forced to create curriculum um like i've i've had the opportunity to develop curriculum for a freshman studies class that i absolutely loved teaching and that was just a completely different format of education for me than like a beginning instrumental class or even a band class that was an incredible challenge um all of the lessons that i'm getting the opportunity or opportunity to create for this virtual online learning it reminds me of that a lot and i'm actually really enjoying the challenge of designing essentially music appreciation from the ground up so i'm looking forward to the challenges this year will present um i'm hoping we can be back in person everyone (laughs) before the end of the year because i i miss that face-to-face interaction yeah that that's gonna be such a challenge uh, okay, let's keep going through the questions. What advice would you give to a new educator entering the profession? 
uh, be flexible, yeah. find people on your campus that know what they're doing and will give you advice and structure. Um, ask lots of questions. Um, get to know your office manager <laughs> really, yeah. really well. That's always a good one. Um, because they basically run the school. Um, have someone that you can vent to, that you trust. It's so vitally important yeah. because things will happen on your campus um, that will blow your mind and make you make your eyes bleed because they're crazy. Um, and it's important for everyone, just for our own mental health, to have people we trust that can help just listen and give advice. Um, those are the things that I would say to a brand new educator. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it takes a village to raise a teacher, oh, not yeah. just a t- child. Um, oh, do you have any unique classroom strategies, James? Uh, for me, um, I establish like the procedures for everything right from day one and just hammer that until it's in place. So I don't ever talk or play while kids are talking. And that seems kind of basic, but I've it it shocks me to see teachers that do that. I mean, play instruments. Oh well, even in other settings, like oh, okay. being in a classroom and watching a teacher talk over other students. I just I the education can't learn if the listening and and visual parts aren't engaged. Like you need attention. So yeah, I <laughs> try trying to think how to say what I'm saying. Um, procedure. Everything boils down to procedure. Everything having like a path by which it happens, I think is really important, especially in the instrumental world, like teaching a posture, like repetition is just so key to learning an instrument and to just learning period for me, from my perspective as an educator. Oh, all right, cool. What is the best lesson you've ever done? Um, for me, as, as a music educator, um, the first 12 years of my life were teaching band. So lessons were always sort of geared towards getting you ready for a concert. Um, and so I think when you prepare students for like district festival where every band student is compared to every other band student. And when you go to festival and you score superior ratings, which is the highest rating you can receive, um, I think that those, those festival performances really stick out in my mind as like, yes, I, I gave these kids the best possible learning experience. They achieved the performance at the highest possible level. Um, some other lessons that really stick out are ones where I've allowed kids to compose their own music and then the kids present, um, that music to each other and perform in front of one another and just seeing them be creative, any, especially like in a group setting, like where they all band together to create a piece of art. Those are my favorite lessons Mm -hmm. to teach and always the most inspiring. Because it's not, it's not coming from me. It's coming from within the kids and their own creative juices to like create a piece of music. So, 
those are the ones that stick out for me. Right on. Yeah, that's super cool. All right, my final question. Do, are there any educational concepts that you're a champion of? I love project-based learning. Okay. Um, for this upcoming year, well, the upcoming quarter slash probably semester, um, I'm not so much doing written tests, like, at all. Um, there are a few little, like, Ed Puzzle quizzes and such that I'm doing, but I'm very much um, doing projects with the kids that allow them to do some research and express their creativity. Um, I, I'm much more a fan of project-based assessment than written tests. I've, in my 18 years of education, I've never actually given a Scantron test. Mm. Um, I really don't like the concept of a Scantron. I, I don't, I don't feel like multiple choice assessment really deep, deep dives too much into it into what a student actually knows. So, but that's just me as an old stick in the mud teacher. And I, I'm an expert at teaching kids how to do standardized tests. So yeah, I've got all these tricks for how to game the test and how to make it work for you and all this. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Scantrons and multiple choice, it just really assesses how, how well the student is at taking a multiple choice yes. test like yes. you need test taking strategies as opposed to just brute knowledge on your subject like i don't feel like it's testing the mastery of the subject it's testing your test taking skills so that's yeah. just me and my opinion yeah all right cool so let's now deep dive into the current issue james uh school starts in approximately what 16 hours from the yeah. time of this recording so uh this this is uh how, how are you feeling about tomorrow i just have that song the final countdown on perpetual <laughs> loop in my head right now okay um i'm feeling okay um this year i have over 350 students on my roster which is very intimidating because that's almost 10 percent of our student population so my biggest concern for myself is being able to learn the kids' names and somehow make those connections with yep. them yep. in a virtual setting when we're only really given 30 minutes of face-to-face -face two times a week. I'm really concerned. So my, my big goal is get pictures with kids' names and faces and learn them learn all about them. I'm having my kids do as an icebreaker, like a getting to know you spreadsheet, or uh, not spreadsheet, a uh, slideshow. And so they're going to put together a little Google slide um, presentation about themselves. And then all the other kids in the class will see everything that the kids have presented. They get to talk about their hobbies and their interests. They get to show off like one of their favorite bands or artists. They get to put like three little videos of their favorite songs so that way the kids can start to find other people in the class that are part of their tribe yeah and start to make those connections and i, I just feel so bad about the freshmen coming oh yeah in. i well uh yeah and the, that's that's sort of my specialty with these ap freshmen so i've got to come up with all kinds of tricks to make them feel like First of all, Mr. Brown cares about him, but second mm -hmm. of all, you know, Mr. Brown's a, a guy I want to work for. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, the the relationship building will be very, very challenging, for sure. Uh, something that I'm predicting is going to be just a very annoying issue is the technology of connection. Um, here in this house, the, the internet glitches out, not commonly. Sporadically. But, yeah, yeah, sporadically, and it only glitches out for like 20 seconds, then it's back on, but that would still interrupt a google meet in progress and then you know kids would be like oh mr brown's gone so i'm gonna bail too uh and then also just i I think there's gonna be so many kids that don't even know their teachers google meet addresses and they just won't know what to do tomorrow yeah the initial start of the school year is gonna be very rough um i'm I contacted all of my students via email through our Infinite Campus. I know Mr. Brown has done the same. Um, I just don't know if some of these older teachers will have any idea what they're doing because this is so opposite what they've done their yeah. entire teaching career. And and I recall helping some of our coworkers with just just some real basic email kind yeah. of stuff and. You've got to be next level at your technology fluency to teach online. Um, thankfully, I, I feel really prepared and I feel good, but I'm worried about the things I can't control. Yeah. Being, are the students technologically literate enough? And, uh, well, I guess it's not really on me, but I, I, I want my coworkers to succeed. I want my students to, to feel that they're receiving an education in all their classes because if they just have only Mr. Brown, then they might disengage with school entirely. Yeah, I, I feel like um, one of the big challenges as well is going to be within the face-to-face sessions, like getting the kids to interact with one another. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like some subjects are maybe maybe will lend themselves a little bit more easily to that. I worry for subjects like P.E., how do you oh, accomplish yeah. PE in an online setting? Do, and make the kids spread out a bunch of space and do like yoga yeah. stretches or something. I guess. Yeah. Oh, that's that's really rough. And like science, I mean, you could still do science, but you can't really do the labs. You know. Yeah. I mean, um, you can you can introduce the basic concepts, but yeah, the deep dive is hard. Dang. And, and there's so much kinesthetic learning I have in my classroom, too, where I have I have kids, like, build cities out of Play-Doh, and uh, during the agriculture unit, I bring in food for the kids to mm-hmm. eat, and they taste the difference between GMO and organic agriculture, and and I can't, yeah, can't I'm, do any of that. I'm right, I'm right there with you on kinesthetic. I don't have 350 instruments to distribute to children, so I cannot physically teach beginning guitar and beginning piano right now as it's intended i'm having to kind of punt and create music appreciation as a curriculum from the ground up just until just just till that point where we can get back to face to face well but and you're doing a great job building music appreciation but do you think pe teachers are now tasked with i don't know sports appreciation where they just like teach everything about sports is that maybe what they're doing i think well if i was a pe teacher i'd be trying to be creative in like 
coming up with ways that students can still have some sort of workout at home. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of inventive things that I've seen with people incorporating yoga and, you know, lifting of canned food and, you know, maybe Lift it again. find find a little sibling or a pet <laughs> and Bench resistance. press your dog. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I think there's some options there. So I this this whole experience is forcing us all to be very creative. And I think it's really going to stretch all of us as educators. And I think when we get through this on the other end, I there will be some very positive things that come out of this. Like more of an incorporation of like the blended learning style. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that Mr. Brown's been doing a lot with flipped classroom sort of setting where he's been recording I've a fi- lot of I've his recorded lessons. fifty videos so far. Yeah. I'm, and I'm deep in it. So I I think that this is really gonna open up the eyes of educators in our country to pursue some different avenues. Because my my biggest gripe with the education system is that we've just been doing the same thing and approaching things kind of in the same pattern for decades and i mean things can't change if you just approach it in the same way that's insanity so hopefully this forces us to take a look at how we deliver content and how we assess children and how we engage them when you when you can't be face to face like how do you really get a kid to learn the material well and you know uh, one of my i guess this is a part of my educational philosophy and, and you made this comment. You said that it's going to make teachers more creative. Uh, I weirdly feel like I'm being less creative because the thing that my favorite lessons, the, the my favorite thing to do in class is simulations or these sort of board games I designed. Or we have these things that are sort of like Dungeons and Dragons in history. Yeah. And the kids generally love those simulations and those activities. And I can... I can sort of adapt them online, but they're so much better in person. And a part of my advocacy for those activities is that it disengages kids from technology and creates this social environment in my class where they're all working together to accomplish some kind of objective. Um, I mean, I'll I'll do my best to transfer those to be online, but those were my... Those are my big creative outlets in the classroom, and I feel that those are now snuffed out. So... My, my online content, I mean, I'm doing my best to make it engaging and exciting, but it's, it's just the content, you know? Yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't really have these, these fun, kinesthetic things going on anymore. It's watch videos, learn about the past, watch videos, learn writing skills. It's, we're getting down to business. We're doing the job. Yeah, I, when I've taken online like professional development courses it does feel very streamlined yes exactly and it's just about the content so it's i feel like we all have to push as teachers to really get beyond that somehow um so that way our kids stay engaged and don't just check out well and and that's why i've made the executive decision that my live online meetings those 30 minutes i see the kids every other day uh there's going to be no new content in those meetings 
it's just going to be some skill reinforcement. I'll try to do some fun things. That's where I'll do my best to build that rapport, that relationship, and and get the kids to be on my side. Yeah, I think I think you're in a lucky position with AP students in that you can set forth the expectation for them to watch some of those lessons you've and that content you've delivered. Um, I don't know that I'm in the same boat yeah. with classes of 56 that are 9 through 12 every imaginable type of student on the on the campus um i don't know that i can put the expectation that they watch a flipped classroom situation of lessons ahead of time um also for me like i i love taking a short video clip and adding all of my own spin and information to enhance it um so i it's hard for me to want to record everything ahead of time. That just doesn't feel as organic. Oh, and it's it's not. As, yeah, it just feels very forced. It, it's totally not. And as I've been filming these videos, there are multiple times in the videos where I say, if this was a live class, I would do this and this and this. But yeah. then I just kind of roll through it. And also sometimes I, like this morning, I filmed my entire medieval history of Europe presentation and normally, it would take me three class periods to get through that. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know, four hours of in-person material. But I did that whole presentation in 30 minutes. Right. So, and it's because if there were really kids in front of me during this presentation, I would be interacting with them, engaging with them, making little stories, expanding on stuff, asking them questions. Like, all that interaction is what made my presentation so engaging. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'm trying my best by putting them on the internet, um, but they're they're definitely never going to be as good as it would be in real life. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because more than anything, I'm just a performer. You know, I'm a trained actor, became teacher. <laughs> so that's... Well, I've heard your, your impressions... Thank you. Yeah, they're, they're very riveting. I just, I just got to do the ones that don't get me in trouble. That's all. Um, well, okay. So James, now let me pose this question to you. Let's imagine that the coronavirus is magically cured tomorrow, and I, I know you'd be really stressed out because you've just created all this <laughs> curriculum. But let's say, let's say the coronavirus is magically cured tomorrow. How would your classes change next year? Uh, do you mean how would they change immediately or well, in the future? In the future. Like, what, what will be these big lessons that you could apply to a music teacher from COVID? Uh, I think integration of online resources. Like what, for example? Like, you did show me some pretty cool websites before. Yeah, I, um, I, in a typical year, I do branch out a little bit beyond just the playing of the instrument. Um, in in like a typical band or choir setting, your focus is always the concert. So my first 12 years of teaching when I was doing band, like my focus concert. was always on the performance and making sure we represented the school to the best of our ability. And so I always felt very restricted as a band director to... To, that I just didn't have time to go beyond the content. 
now as a guitar and piano teacher, um, I'm able to go into composition and like learning about the physics of sound and music history. But my op- my taking that opportunity to teach those concepts was not as great as I'm being forced to do now in a situation where the kids do not have instruments in hand and I'm being pushed to be much more creative in and of myself to think of how I can get these kids to learn about music without an instrument in hand. So um, I found some very amazing resources um, on creatability that are really cool, where the kids can just create music on the fly without any real knowledge of notation that are just really cool. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited to have these kids experiment with these labs and to just hopefully inspire some of them to create their own music. Yeah. Make your own kind of music. Yeah. yeah. See, I, even I'm doing it. I'm making my music. Yeah. So I hope for myself in the future that I incorporate more of these, um, more of these online resources and more of this content um, when I go back to more of a traditional face-to-face setting. Because I, I feel like it's going to help enhance the educational experience for the kids in this class. Hmm. Yeah, and I, I'm definitely going to take away from this online experience also just so much more technology integration. I don't think I'm ever going to give a Scantron test again. They're yeah, all going to be online. Can, yeah, you can create all of that in an online setting. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm already going to make some edits to my curriculum that I'm going to put in some little secret things where I'll know if kids are cheating or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but, but then again, I don't know if there's really a lot we can do to stop thorough cheating in an online environment. If a no. kid really wants to cheat, they could find a way to cheat. Oh, yeah. But I can put up so many hurdles mm-hmm. that it will actually be more effort to cheat oh, than yeah. it would be to just do it honestly. Just take the test, kid. Just Yeah, r- write me a real essay with your words and your voice. Um, yeah, and then uh, what are your thoughts on student behavior during these online meetings? Like, Because I did one sort of trial run meeting on Friday, and uh, a student with the username FortniteGod69 joined my, my call, uh, and then I think that same kid made the sounds equivalent to an air horn at one point during mm. the meeting. So what, what, what do you think about, about I that? I think it's going to be up to the teacher to really set the ground rules and be consistent. Consistency is key. True. So if if someone joins your session and they're not logged in on their school email, immediately drop them from the call. And that's what I will do from now on. So that way you know who the person is. Yeah. Um, I would say having to monitor the chat while you're presenting the information is going to be a little rough. It's going to be a little bit of a challenge. Yeah, I got my dual monitors, so I'm ready to rock on that. Yeah, I've got an extra extra wide monitor to help with that. Um, I I feel like as long as you're really clear in the expectations and you drop the hammer immediately, if there's ever a problem, I think that will kind of head off a lot of the issues. Hmm. I would hope. Yeah. Well, you know, do you know if we have uh, students that are teacher aides this year? 
I doubt it. Yeah, well, because I, I had a couple. Doubt, what, I, I what filled out they, the paperwork for a couple kids. I don't. Need, I have no concept as to what a student aide would be able to accomplish this year. What, what I would really like them for actually is to monitor the chat, as you just oh, said. I think that'd yeah, be great. No, that'd be brilliant. Yeah. See, look, the James. This is what happens That's when we get smart. together and talk about educational stuff. We come up with brilliant <laughs> ideas because while you're presenting, it is really difficult to to read the chat and precise the chat. So if I had a, a student who was my teacher aide, always joining my Google calls, they would just maybe answer quick questions or they would consolidate and take notes of when there was a right. question that I need to address. That's really smart. I'm I'm lucky that. Three out of my seven classes um, of my piano sections, I've got former students in each. So I think I'm going to task them with, hey, just keep an eye on the chat and let me know. Like what, what you were yeah. saying, what you would... Yeah, maybe maybe do. I should email the head counselor right after this call and I should be like, hey, this is my idea. I would really like this. Um, yeah, anything's possible. I mean, that'd be weird to give a kid credit <laughs> being a student aide when they're just chat a moderator. chat mon moderator. But I think it's an important thing. Though. Oh, it's very important that you have someone keeping an eye on that. Yeah. That's yeah, a lot of extra work for you. Um, let's see. What what other thoughts do we have about tomorrow? Uh, I know there's a, a an office pool going for when either the internet goes down or, or, Canvas, or Canvas, the learning platform, goes down. Um, what, what, what is your prediction? Uh, it's gonna hit right around ten o'clock. Oh gosh! Once everyone is on all at once. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be um, interesting. Hopefully, we get through it. I know we will. Um, yeah, we, obviously we will. And and I, I already had some anxiety-ridden students. Mr. Brown, what if I drop the call? What if my internet goes down? Well, and that that's why. In the live sessions, no new content. You know, yes, yeah. everything's everything's recorded. Every for yeah, you you do the the heavy learning on your own, but when we're together, we are reinforcing the concepts. You're asking questions. We're doing little activities. We're learning the skills, but content is your time, your money. What are you doing for an icebreaker tomorrow to get the kids to know each other? Well, I have this. The presentation that really explains what AP is. Uh, that's and I really think, important. I think that's that's step one. Um, but I'm going to assign them as homework on that first day to find a cultural artifact in their house, and they will do a show and tell in the second and third day of school. My like overarching concern for this whole experience is that we've been tasked with giving essentially three assignments a week yes and we see the kids three times yeah and if that's every kid at our school has eight classes times three assignments a week that's a lot but it um, seems like a lot my understanding is an assignment could be write a paragraph about what you talked about today truth but i i know teachers on campus that aren't going to follow that oh that are gonna be going to an be an essay it's going to be a 50 question a bloodbath test. of assignments. I'm worried. I'm worried that some kids are going to get well, burned out. And, and you know, something that, that's concerned me, this isn't true at just Des Oasis High School. This was true at Rancho High School as well. You know, I am the only subject that is advanced placement for freshmen. 
Oh, yeah. And both at Rancho, and I even asked kids at Dio, I said, during your freshman year, was I your hardest, or you know, did I, was, <laughs> was I your hardest class? Is that good grammar? Maybe it is. Was my class your most challenging, most rigorous? And at no time did any kid ever say yes. Oh, it's, I bet. It's unanimous that my AP class was not their most challenging but class. I'm and sure I'm, that they they also probably really enjoyed your class and were being challenged in ways that made it fun and engaging. And so maybe they don't necessarily view that as being challenging. But I mean, I, I they do a lot of essay writing. They do a lot of reading. Like, I'm just remembering my high school experience. And if I was in my own class, it would be a lot of work for me. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I really think there's like, it's like those English teachers or something that are signing oh, yeah, they're a definitely novel the worst. a week or something. I don't, even, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, but, there's def- there are definitely some subjects on our campus that offer a lot of work for kids that I've heard just in the past. Yeah. And I'm worried. <laughs> I'm worried for some of these AP kids, like junior, senior AP, that, yes. taking, that are taking four or five AP well, classes. One of my sophomores did admit to me on Friday that he's taken three AP classes. And I mean, that that's very I took four AP classes my senior year. So it's it's possible, but it's it's going to be a lot. You better be a yeah. motivated kid. And and that's something I'm really going to bring up tomorrow in my what is AP lesson. It's I'm going to say, "Hey, look, this class is optional." Yeah. I I want kids here. But I only want the kids who are excited to learn, who want to put their time in this pandemic to use, who are college motivated. Yeah, you know. you're giving them that college experience. So. Yeah, I know. And and the, the most hilarious thing is even if they were college freshmen, they would get the same they experience. They would get the same experience. Because, yeah, I, I went to... I went to lunch with a, an administrator at UNLV yesterday. He took me to Texas State Brazil. It was just fantastic. Uh, I know. It's, it's amazing food. And uh, he, he filled me in on what's going on at uh, the college here in, in Las Vegas. And it's they're also using Canvas. Mm-hmm. And, the well, they, they have some live classes, but most classes are online. So it's, it's literally the same thing you get in college. Right. You know? Maybe I should like call up their geography 101 teacher and be like, "Hey, what does your Canvas course look like? Is it more work or less work than mine?" <laughs> then I'll have a much better idea. So, yeah. Let's see, James, you got any other thoughts about the storm that's brewing? Well, we have an overcast sky, which is so unusual for <laughs> Vegas right now. I know, no, I've summer. been. I keep waiting for the storm. It's an omen, literally and proverbially, to come rain down on me, a la Lady Gaga and Ariana Grande style. <laughs> but I just accept that that storm has to wait until eight o'clock yes. tomorrow morning. Yes. Floodgates will open. It's gonna be one hell of a ride, but we'll get through it. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And. And I think something that I'm grateful for is my impression is the administration at both our our principal, vice principal level, and at the superintendent level, that they're giving teachers guidelines, they're telling teachers what to do. And I, look, I'm following those guidelines. I'm going to do everything that I've been directed to do. But I think we've already agreed that there are some teachers who are just not technologically literate enough. Well, that 
that combined with the crazy instructions from the admin yes. and district that change every day that contradict the previous instructions. So are you recording students in any capacity? Yeah, it, there's this whole debacle about how we were first required to record students. Now we are not allowed to record students under any circumstance. So, But you could things, record if you open up multiple Google Meets. There's, yeah, there's, there's some, some wackiness to this. My short response is I'm just not recording anything except for my sessions by myself when yeah, I'm going through my presentations. I'm, I'm going to copy your lead, and next weekend I'm going to basically do do a dry run of all of my lessons for next week and post all of them ahead of time yep because i i'm not gonna get sued <laughs> no no we're, we're good um yeah i i really hope we can get kids motivated to to do their work and do their effort um and uh, like because back when the pandemic originally began we were encouraged to still have online classes and online sessions and i did with my ap students but only about half of them ever attended um, well they had they had good reason to be engaged though because yeah. they had the upcoming AP they had test. the upcoming ap test for me i had so few students show up for anything i did online i was just happy to know that they were still alive and kicking and in a safe place well and i i taught four different classes last year and only my ap students consistently met up with me um and i think it was largely because yeah as you said they had the test upcoming but the other kids said well this isn't for a grade right i don't care getting getting that mindset out of our upcoming students brains is going to be the challenge yeah the, these kids haven't been graded on anything since mid-march yeah so that that attitude like because and also, I think it's like Fortnite God 69, you know? He says, oh, I've got to join my teacher's um, Google Meet, and he's forgotten what it's like to be in a classroom. He's forgotten what it's like to show respect yeah, to an adult. Yeah, it's been half a year. It's going to be quite they, the challenge. They have devolved into little little minion creatures. Um, <laughs> and But I, I hope and I do believe there are some kids who are very academically motivated who are ready to get down to business and get to work. Oh, yeah, there's very and, eager students. And those kids I am thoroughly happy to work with and assist, but Fortnite God 69 might get banned from my my Google Meet if he continues to, you know, be an internet troll. I think you should ban him if he even just shows up. I will, and I because I told him that. I told him that in, in the meeting. I said, I am not letting you into this meeting ever again with that username. You have to change your username to your personal name at Clark County School District. Um, because, and yeah, no, on, uh, tomorrow there will be kids, James, in my classes and yours, that will be logged in under their personal email accounts. Yeah, that's immediately going <laughs> to And I mean, uh, well, but, but like, are, are you going to let them in briefly and just say, hey, change your profile? Because uh, I, I feel like I'm, that's something you should to do. lay that out on day one, yeah. But, yeah, so I'll, I'll continue to do it on day one, but starting on, I don't know, day three, like, no. Like, you have to be right. a, 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 un, under an identifiable account. Well, it's, it's like a student wearing a mask to class. Yeah. Like, you, you wouldn't let someone in the door that you can't 
physically identify. Because we don't know, who, like, what if they're a pedophile? You know, we right. don't know that Fortnite 69 is actually a student. Um, I mean, <laughs> let's be honest, it probably is. No, no adult would ever use that stupid name. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's going to be a challenge. And, like, already in the... In the first part of this pandemic, I had a kid say some pretty outrageous cuss words in the chat. Uh, I had a female student, and I'm, I'm sure she was wearing shorts, but the way her camera was angled made it appear as if she was not wearing shorts. Um, and so these are, these are new issues that we'll have to face in this coming year. Um, and uh, yeah, but th the biggest thing is, Whatever profile they're on, it has to be a profile that I can identify. So, um, and and actually, I do even know this. On Friday, uh, two of my former students, who I now will both have again in AP World, uh, they're best friends, and they shared their login information with each other. So one mm. girl logged in as her friend, the other girl logged in as her friend, and I'm just like, oh. That's, that's a great life lesson to <laughs> need to have. Yeah, so they're they're switching accounts on us too. So this will be even more of a challenge. Cause I, and and maybe we could elaborate on this. I really think that maybe not necessarily our administration, but definitely the the superintendent level administration. I don't think they fully understood the power of technology. No. I feel like these are are people living in the dinosaur era and we're already in the atomic age when it comes to the internet. They yeah, don't... We're, we are in completely different solar systems yeah. of education right now. They they say, oh, we got Canvas, use Canvas. Oh, we got Google Meets, use Google Meets. Make there's, it work. There's better learning platforms than Canvas and there's better meeting platforms than Google Meets. Yeah. But they want to make these rigid rules and keep us within those rules when they don't fully know everything that's that's out there and all the options available to us. I concur. Yeah. It's the blind leading the less blind. Less blind. <laughs> <laughs> the heart of sight. Yes. <laughs> oh, all right, cool. All right, well, James, you got you got anything else? I just want to wish all of our fellow educators and students the best of luck tomorrow and for this year just keep your heads up we'll get through this just stay positive and take one day at a time it's all we can do yep and, and i i really do believe that as long as a teacher can prove they are attempting they are trying their best i don't think anything negative can really happen to a teacher no yeah yeah especially if you're in the union join the union by the way um all right. So anyway, thanks y'all for listening. If anybody has any questions about this podcast, please send an email to vegasmoderneducator at gmail.com. Thank you very much.